We're going to open next year. That is, if the lawyers don't kill me first. I, I don't care for lawyers. Do you? Oh, oh we, uh... I don't, don't really know any. <laughs> well, I do, I'm afraid. There's a particular pebble in my shoe represents my investors. Says that they insist on outside opinions. What kind of opinions? Well, you're kind not to put too fine a point on it. I mean, let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds. And if I could just persuade you to sign off on the park, you know, get your endorsement, maybe even pen a, a wee testimonial, I could get back on schedule. Uh, schedule. Welcome to Jurassic Pod, a podcast 65 million years in the making. In this show, we excavate, theorize, and decipher the evolution of the Jurassic Park films and their fandom. Today, we're taking a slight pause from the rewatch episodes to transition into the Jurassic World reboots. We really want to discuss the legacy of the original trilogy and moving on into this next phase of the franchise. But to do that, Mike, we need we need a guest because I feel like this is a time where we can bring in the experts. So we had to bring in a, a connoisseur, a ringer. a ringer, per se. He's a professional editor, broadcast director, instructor, pop culture connoisseur, and former host of the defunct Two Beers, Two Nerds podcast, and overall great human. It's Zach Hall. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you guys inviting me on. Um, defunct? podcast i'd say we're just in a very long pause long pause and i feel like the resurrection could happen at any any it, moment no I, I think it's just uh next it'll be three beers three nerds and mike will just join us it, ooh. So, oh wow i've always wanted an invite to that podcast you were there for the conception that we just remembered you were there for the conception yeah, of, uh, of the podcast yeah uh, Zach, I hate to do this right away, but uh, here on Jurassic Pod, we have our guests do some of the work for us uh, from a business side. Um, this being a fran- uh, f- uh, about the Jurassic Park franchise, the corporate overlords are inherently involved in the process of making the podcast as well. So we have to make our guests do some work um, to make the numbers work. So I sent you a little business blurb. Can you please read that? Um, it, I texted it to you. So when you get a chance, please read our business blurb uh, for the viewers. Okay. Only for this podcast would I ever do a, um, un, uh, un, I don't know what you would call it, but a plug. And usually I prefer podcasts that aren't sponsored yeah. and do not have. Yeah. And you guys you're are, selling out and it's okay. Okay. Well, here, here it goes. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, rate, and review the show so more Jurassic Heads can discover us. Jurassic Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to for any podcast, really. If you can get involved in the discussion by visiting www.jurassicpod.com and clicking the Share Your Voice button located over the sexy laying down Ian Malcolm... <laughs> No dinosaurs were harmed in the making of this podcast. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Well done. We love it. You still have your soul intact. Thank you for doing some extra work, Zach. I really appreciate it. That's a, That was very presumptuous. You're, you're presuming that his soul was intact before oh, he read true. that. That's true. I think I got Moore's soul, actually, after uh, like just 
describing Ian Malcolm and then that visual picture in my head. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, can I double scri- subscribe? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Excellent. Double yeah, subscribe sure if, you, if you can, listeners, double subscribe. Um, Zach, really much like an in-gen scientist, we, like you coming onto the show and being part of this journey is really to look at this franchise with a cynical, scientific, unbiased view and to really help us as we, we ask this question, why this franchise continues to dominate box office and resonate with so many people, we need you as our in-gen scientist to come in and kind of help dissect um, and break apart the DNA of the franchise to really look at where we've been, where we're going, and why this franchise still exists. But first off, before we get into the test tubes of this franchise, I want to ask, what was your first experience with Jurassic Park in general that you can remember? Um, and, and how has that journey continued for you? My first actual Jurassic Park movie was uh, Lost World. Um, however, did not get through the first five minutes of it. That compi scene on Isla Sora. Oh, yeah. Uh, Isla Sora. Sorna is, yeah, I uh, could not get through that because I literally just... I don't even think I saw the gold bloom part at the, like the hard, that smash cut straight to gold bloom in the subway. Um, we'd turn it off. Uh, so I went through probably like from ages five to seven, mostly what trying to re- get through that movie and that scene. Um, after that though, I'd say, uh, I think Jurassic park three is kind of one of the more stronger memories that I have. I was a lot older. Um, so I'd say Jurassic park three would be the one that had the most influence, I think on really understanding what the franchise was. Um, but I mean, lost world in itself, that copy scene is like, is classic. So, um, can't remember, can't forget that honestly. Wow. That's like really awesome to hear that that copy scene was kind of, a. Uh it would terrified you in a way. Uh, and it's also interesting to see that Jurassic park three also resonated with you. Cause Greg Jackson also said that that's right. Jurassic park three resonated. And I think that maybe because our generation, that's when we were maybe the most marketable at, at those ages, Jurassic park three, when it came out, we were that, that peak, uh, marketable age as adolescents to really engage with all the uh, Burger King uh, merchandise that probably yeah. came with that. Yeah, so, so, yeah, totally. So what after kind of you got over the copy scene, do you remember maybe coming back to the franchise ever or having more of a senior adult moment with the franchise? Um, I'd say, well, let me... Can I just tell your view, your audience, uh, Luke, that I'm just a naturally cynical person? That is true. That is um, true. I think you've sit, sat through a couple movies with me. Um, pretty much when it comes to franchises themselves, I'm, I'm rarely impressed at the end of any installment. Um, so when going back to like Jurassic World after, you know, what is that, 15, 14 years of uh, just watching the first three over and over again. Uh, and mu- being much older at that time, I think I was like 25 or something like that when it first came out, uh, I was unimpressed. I think when I revisited, it was really hard to, uh, truly understand what the progression of this new part of the franchise is going to. Um, that's always a hard part for me, especially for reboots. Um, but in between, honestly, I'm, so I'm studied as a, like a film major in college so um me and a group of friends would always like analyze a lot of films together honestly 
Um, and one of those was the original Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're college kids, you kind of overanalyze stuff. So uh, we would yeah. literally, you, I think we watched Jurassic Park, the first one, at least three times trying to investigate the metaphysical nature of it. Um, however, that all is kind of gray in my memory because it was college, if you, you know what I'm <laughs> yes, saying. Yes, I, I can read between the lines. Yeah, but it would literally be like there is, and I have to refer um, to another person that honestly is better, has a better hinge on that part of the theory of how meta Jurassic Park is. I think that's in college when you're starting to like study things. Jurassic Park, um, just it being a Spielberg movie in itself and something that's classic, ageless, honestly. Um, it's something that we always look back on and would really, really try and analyze scene to scene. Um, I wish I could bring some of that to the table today. I have other stuff to talk about, but I think in my adulthood, just really appreciating not just the basic level of Jurassic Park, but that extra, that film snobby level yeah. um, is something that I think would be a really big thing. It also made me a little bit more cynical, which attributes to that Jurassic World um, comment I said earlier. Yeah, when but. you deep dive into actually how that first one is made in the, the depth, and I think about it just from an editing standpoint, that first film, and we've talked about it on this show, it is kind of peak Spielberg, and that's a little bit of my personal theory, is this is kind of the peak of Spielbergism as far as the quality of his films in his peak power. And that film's, I feel like, it uses a lot of the greatest hits of what Spielberg directing and his editing and the, the style of his films are in general. So it's interesting to me that you deep-dived on Jurassic Park because it really is like... If you had a directorial blockbuster 101, it would be that original Jurassic Park movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think there's when you're talking about directors themselves, you don't remember. You have to look up the other directors, yeah. um, at least for two and three. Um, I think I've heard you guys. I've listened to the podcast. Big fan, by the way. You guys do an excellent job with your guests, or if you're just by yourselves. Um, but I, I know that it's a, it's kind of a struggle as you're trying to recall everything in the movie, and you don't really have that uplifting director like what spielberg was for jp1 um sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna just gonna shorten and i like that acronym jp1 that's like i feel like that probably is gonna make it easier that's what i've been using so uh that's what i've been using in all my spreadsheets that (laughs) that i've used for this podcast is jp1 uh lw jp3 and then jw uh and then uh fk and then DOM. Oh, those are all, those are the acronyms. Nobody asked for that, but those are the acronyms. Okay, I'm glad using. we know the acronyms now. <laughs> I was concerned that we were not going to know the acronyms. Uh, yeah, there's actually functions within Excel. Oh um, boy, that I just that realized I, I'm walking like. into a Excel nerd conversation that I am severely so, outmatched in between. So, Luke, I'd like Mike. to thank you for coming to, on Zach and my podcast, uh, where we just talk about film and spreadsheets. So can you give us some of your expertise on spreadsheets and your experience uh, with it? In my experience, extremely frustrating, but also very thankful for those who are able to do it. Uh, usually I can do control F to look something up and that's the extent of my skills. <laughs> like, Hey, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, just a Google away, honestly. Any, any answer is just a Google away. Y- yes, but there, there is an artistry See, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting sucked in, but I have to make this point. There is an artistry in almost like a canvas-like artistry to spreadsheets, whether using Google Sheets or the traditional Excel. 
I, there is an artistry to, to look at a blank canvas of squares and, and cells and to say, I'm going to take this idea and put it on this square block of digital imprint and code. That's too deep. Um, so I, and you two are some of the best that I know. So, but we'll move on from that. Uh, because wow. We're just dropping we, listeners. Yeah, we left have and no right. more listeners. <laughs> the two, the two Excel heads out there. <laughs> I'm thinking of how to like actually somehow cage dinosaurs in cells now, like actual Excel cells. Um, I don't know how I would do it, but there's there's definitely a digitization of a dinosaur uh, hump that we'd have to hit. But, yeah, uh, that that I, you guys could do it. You know, it'd be better than an NFT for a dinosaur. <laughs> okay, all right, that's enough. Uh, let's talk about, let's get into it with, with the franchise, Zach. Like you said, you are cynical, but I know, I know you have some joy in you. I've seen it before, uh, but you generally are, are cynical. So let's start with the cynical first. Um, what are your big issues with the Jurassic Park franchise? We can do the whole franchise, um, but maybe starting with the first three, but what, what, what are some of the big kind of like, uhs of the Mm. franchise? Yeah, I I mean, so kind of like in researching this, I, I kind of came up with a thesis. I'm cynical myself. Um, I feel like the franchise as a whole, from um, Jurassic Park all the way till Fallen Kingdom, whatever that name is, um, <laughs> is cynical in itself. It's kind of self-destructive in some ways. Yes. Um, I would, and it's it's to create the message um, that it wants to convey. I think there's somehow it carries through throughout. Um, but the main thing that it operates on is nostalgia, and you'll hear me say that a couple times. I think um, during this during this uh, episode is how hinged on nostalgia is all the way from Jurassic Park one to um, you know. I mean, we can't talk about Dominion yet, but like Fallen Kingdom has a lot of that as well. Um, I think nostalgia in itself kind of cannibalizes um, a lot of the uh, installments that we see um, because of the original source material and also the original movie. Um, this is something that's an internal, it, it's eternally frustrating for me because mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's difficult to really like a franchise, I think in the first place. Um, but when we start trying to draw on our heartstrings and our memories, um, especially for a long-standing franchise, I mean, there's a bunch of them out there, and a, a lot of them, especially in, I think, our generation, what we're seeing now in the last 10 years with reboots, uh, sequels, um, things coming back up, being pulled back up from old source uh, material, is frustrating to see. Um I, I I think just in generally generally there's a lot of other bad things. I have a whole list for you. Um, I I don't think I should do it all right this second. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think th- just kind of operating off the nostalgia aspect. I think there's definitely that through line throughout the 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 movies that um, it's frustrating. Honestly, yeah. it's really frustrating how they reference things and what they're actually doing in each each movie. Um, Take for instance, I mean, you guys are going to be watching Jurassic, rewatching Jurassic World soon. Um, this that movie in itself is so hinged on nostalgia that it's absolutely, at least for me, and I think it's kind of insulting to the audience because a lot of audiences is going to see this movie, these movies for a reason. Like they, you yeah. know, they want to see these certain 
certain, you know, dinosaurs, things come up um, and onto the, you know, the big screen. And instead, we get a lot of like weird callbacks to the original movie. I feel like it's distracting. I feel like it's really, really hard to watch. Um, and I think that that's the thing is none of these other movies are ever going to stop. Um, stack up to Jurassic Park one. No, I that's yeah. at least my belief on that. I think you bring up a great point because one of the things that we discussed earlier on in one of the first in one of the first episodes, I can't remember if it was the first movie or the second movie, but we talked about how the sequels continue to fall flat uh, in terms of reaching attaining the level of popularity that the first one does, not because they're sequels, but because they aren't taking risks. And they're not taking risks because there's no one-upping the original risk, which was, let's make a theme park, but hear me out, dinosaurs. You know, And, and so it's like, where, where do you take a risk from there? Yeah, especially because that's what people are coming to see. And I like the nostalgia point, Zach, because that's a, a hot topic in pop culture critique and conversation over the last 10 years. We've done a podcast episode about reboots in itself. Uh, and now there's sequels of reboots and reboots of sequels. It's never ending. But Lost World, the second one in itself is nostalgic of the first film because there's references throughout um, because they're going they're going back to not the same island technically, but they're going back to the same scenario. But that continues to happen again and again. So the sequel plots all hem on this nostalgic plot line of you're going back to the island or the islands where there's dinosaurs or the theme park where there's di- dinosaurs or the fallen theme park where there's dinosaurs or the dominion or the kingdom where there's di- where there's dinosaurs so it is a really good point that nostalgia runs as a, a through line through all the films f- drawing back to the first one that it really can't get over but going into the the reboot sequels there is it is heavily heavily leaning on on the nostalgia and it's hard to get out of it yeah and uh, this is one i'll reference just one line from jurassic world you guys will hear um in that movie uh i could write an entire paper on the lowry lowry character in that movie played by jake johnson um but he has one specific line in there that i think is really kind of resonates with that this i guess this hypothesis um thesis if you will um he says like in a conversation in the control room he says that first park was legit this yeah. that first park was legit and i think that what these movies are doing is these consistently are saying we can't stack up to the original one we can't do the scenes and set up that majesty those wide shots of like these incredible dinosaurs that we've never been able to see in go motion before. Yeah. Um, being able to like see that wide landscape in the same way. You don't see those introductory scenes as like this casual, not only are you in, in Jurassic Park, are you a casual audience member um, as you're watching the movie, but you're actually seeing it through like a, a park tourist eyes in the first one. Yeah. But in these different scenarios that we go across and even, Jurassic World doesn't establish this well, but in, you know we go through different genres in the first three. I mean, the original one is, I think, its own blockbuster genre in itself. Um, the second one is much more of a, I, I mean, honestly, I would say it's a heist movie. Um, and the second Ooh, one, in yeah, some, some right. ways. Yeah. Um, 
And in the third one, it's I was trying to like think of ideas like oceans, dinosaurs. Like, could you do some type of? It's like, a parasailing action movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, the, yeah. So I'd say like two is probably close to that to the heist kind of scene, and then you have like the survival rescue movie yeah. in the third. Um, they're they kind of just like are grabbing at every single blockbuster like genre that they can grab, like they can get, and putting them in these each of these movies. Um, when you get into Jurassic World, we see things that I feel like we see in a lot of reboots now is just trying to directly reference the previous like trilogy of you know Jurassic Park. Um, even Fallen Kingdom has a very similar plot line to what Lost World is. A dinosaur is released into the wide world, which I'm going to guess is probably like the bigger plot line for the entire series going forward after, you know, what Jurassic World is establishing, even in the title. Um, but yeah, I think that we are hinging on that nostalgia as we make these movies. But we're also, I mean, for kids, I think that's fine. But like, really, we're really calling back to the original fans, right? Us. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where things get judged a little bit more critically. Um but I think it's cynical in itself because it's saying we can't do this better. Yeah, um, and within the movie, well. within the movie, when Nick from New Girl is is <laughs> he's the fan in that movie. He's like the voice of the fans, which is actually smart, but they can't get out of it. Yeah, I like I said, I could write a paper on Lowry. Um, I think it's even more beyond fan. Um, so yeah, you have that base nostalgia, but I think it actually is like speaking towards Colin Trevorrow a little bit. He's on the he he's actually on the provisional uh casting lineup for Dominion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking it up. They skipped him. They passed on him for Fallen Kingdom um cuz he would be like a cameraman or something to that effect. Um for Fallen Kingdom like they had some really bad cameo planned. But I did see that Dominion release. Um I'm happy. I think I don't mind him. I I'm bugged by his like appearance and at what he's actually presenting to the audience. Um, I think it goes beyond even that, that fandom aspect. I think it's literally like the director inserting himself, Colin Trevor inserting himself into the movie. Um, cause as a fail safe, it's like, Hey guys, I know, I know I'm making this movie. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think even more as a fan, like he, even yeah. Lowry's function in there, he is in charge of like the entertainment aspects of the sh- of the entire park, um, like the bubble ride, whatever you want to call that. Like he's the person that makes sure that's get locked down when they go into red alert. Um, he's got all those. Dy- I think it's, if you do, a, I could write a paper on this, but like, if you do a side by side of Colin Trevorrow and what, um, Jake Johnson looks like in that movie, uh, they look extremely similar, similar. I it's, it is crazy to me how much that, um, I feel like that's just a direct, like some kid, you know, growing up watching Spielberg movies gets the chance to make, make an a awesome movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Make a Spielberg movie and he's going to put himself in there as a character. I think it's a little like a little lowbrow in my opinion, but um, so one I digress. The, one of the things that came up in my research and Luke, I shared this with you was the filmmaking choices that were used in the first uh, two movies um, and, and how to shoot the landscape scenes Zach, you referenced the, the landscaping, the, the, the perspective that was used, um, by Spielberg to kind of give, give the audience more of the perspective of being in the park yeah. and, and being, and actually, and actually being, and actually trespassing in the park is really what you feel like you're doing. And, 
in the in the second trilogy in Jurassic World, the way that the, the the sight lines in the I'm an engineer, so I'm going to call it the center of gravity oh, for boy. each for each individual is much higher in frame, yeah. and it and it's actually th- it's it's distorting the size of the animals or the dinosaurs and making the park feel more man dominated than it is yeah. animal dominated. The camera angle, the camera angle, and then it's but it's, also the rail too because they're on a monorail too, which is higher as well. Higher as well, and then also the aspect ratio that Spielberg used. I don't know exactly. Like you're the film guy, but like this was like a YouTube video I watched. But the aspect ratio that Spielberg chose was uh, was was against the grain of the industry standard, and I don't know what the what the aspect ratio was, but that's how he that's how he was able to uh, create these illusions on screen. Yeah. 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 I, I totally, agree. I think that it just, I think it's pretty obvious that nostalgia is a big base for this. And um, like what actually is established in that original movie is it's hard to compare to. I did not know about those other, like the aspect ratio stuff. I did honestly, I, I, once Snyder, the Snyder cut for Justice League came out as a four three, um, I was like, screw aspect aspect ratio. I don't care about it anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, I think that's really important for literally our tours of a film to be able to play with that stuff to really consider aspect ratio and like even just positioning of camera angle versus where you know your main characters are, your human characters are, and your dinosaur characters, um, and wh- how they actually are interacting, you know, on screen, like. I think those are really good points. I cannot disagree with that at all. I can only support that further, I'd say. Um, but I could talk I could talk further, but I've got plenty to talk about. <laughs> this well, let's talk about some positives, some big wins of the franchise of, of where, where we think that hits. Obviously, we're talking about kind of the framing and the awe of the dinosaurs and, and how, unlike the Snyder Cut where they just did it because it was kind of a gimmick, you know, Spielberg did it as a intentional way to frame the dinosaurs. But what are some of Zach as a as as a critique of these this franchise on the positive side? What are some of the big wins that you've seen, and why why you think maybe this franchise is still like generating revenue for Universal Pictures? Yeah, um, just some big fandom points to start off with. Um, Ellie Sadler is a badass. Yes. Um, uh yeah i cannot when you compare claire to ellie like in jurassic world versus ellie in the original jurassic park even in three i mean honestly she comes in clutch in that movie um (laughs) her husband ellie's yeah i know i mean it's great that claire can run from a t-rex in heels but ellie sadler was heavily injured like her legs were all messed up and was able to like run through a like honestly a collision course of velociraptors yeah and a great great scene in itself um i mean i know you guys have said this many times but um gold bloom is great Mm. i mean yeah i i i I, we did luke you and i could talk gold bloom all day i'm mike you and i could talk gold bloom all day i've heard you guys talk gold bloom all day oh that's a great question um I don't know. Is Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm the most iconic role of his career? Is that Zach shaking his head? No, very no. Um, I either The Fly or his performance in Independence Day. I think those are both like pretty strong contenders. Um, 
Independence Day, I think, because yeah. he's with Will Smith. Yeah. And it's like the most unlikely pairing, but, but works. I got to be honest. I don't even think Ian Malcolm is the second most important character in Independence Day. The, the president in Independence Day is the greatest oh, Bill, movie Bill, Bill, president uh, of Bill all time. Pullman, yes. Oh, Bill yeah, Pullman. yeah. Uh, Bill Pullman. Yeah. Bill Pullman. Uh, it's yeah, funny. I, I We're think... referencing a lot of Two Beers, Two Nerds, ep- defunct episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we did a president episode as See, well. Yeah, we did a whole Go Bloom episode. I don't... And uh, it, I think... b- before it was... Here, here. I do have to say this on record for the air. Je- or Zach and I did a Jeff Goldblum tribute episode before the resurgence of the Goldblum internet fame had before happened. Apartments.com. Before Apartments.com. Before Apartments.com, before his Disney Plus show, we were ahead of the Goldblum uh, love fest, uh, resurged by the internet and his most current projects. Let it, let the yeah. record be shown. Yeah. yeah I, uh, also, I have his album um, on vinyl. I do too. Uh, I th- yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Um, Anyways, I, I think that like Ian Malcolm is very much in the original one, which honestly I'm going to hinge on throughout this because nostalgia. Um, he's such a supporting character in that. I mean, his legs are all tore up for like most of the last two thirds of the movie. Um, he's not very functional, and it's crazy that he has he gets to go back to the park. I mean, he talks about chaos a lot. Um, <laughs> that's cool. Read I, the I book, think that's Zach. really good. He talks about chaos yeah. theory all, throughout it. Yeah, it, it and then even like, more intense. yeah, I think that's it's it's really cool. Um, he has a really good part, like when you're talking about kind of like the philosophy of Jurassic Park. But yeah. I, the function itself is really hard. I they were probably desperate, and uh, I I haven't read the books, and I know you guys are reading the books. I don't know how much Ian is actually from that. Uh, you guys tell me a lot. I mean, like yeah. he, I, you could have had, and that's why I always say that the Ian Malcolm character, specifically in JP One. Uh, has the gets the best lines in the book he gets the best lines he is the critique of the whole thing he's the constant critique it's hard it's hard when you read the books i mean we we've talked about on this show it's hard to identify who the main character is and who the main villain is it's hard when you read the book not to recognize ian as I don't know if you could say he's the main character but he is certainly the most important character he's the philosophical hero where Alan Grant is the physical hero because yeah. he's helping save the kids in the book and in the movie. Ian is the philosophical hero of of the of the book. And the book is more clear about who the villain is. The the villain, the human villain is the villain of in the book is 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 Hammond f- for sure. Whereas the movie is it's much more vague. He's just like uh he's like an absent minded professor. Yeah, he's a very Walt Disney esque, and yeah. I think that's one of, and I always say that's the strength of the the original movie is there's not clear lines of hero protagonist. It, it it's more it's very highbrow in a sense because you're talking about high level themes of humanity, creation, corporate involvement, um, and that's why one of the reasons why I think that I like the franchise. I also think that's why the franchise has some staying power because unfortunately, uh, whether you're in 1993 or 2023 or 2022, when the next one's going to come out, uh, corporate greed, humanity, uh, human versus nature is going to be still a super prevalent theme in our society. And that's always an undercutting. I always think that's the heartbeat of this, the, the series outside of the nostalgia and the excitement of it. It's almost like talking about corporate greed is evergreen 
for <laughs> for how Hollywood. Many, how many corporate terms can we bring into our conversation about corporate greed? If you want to go this route, we can <laughs> definitely go this route. Um, what uh, routes do you want... have? I have we, the routes are open, Zach. I, I mean, we've referred to uh, Hammond as a capitalist in past episodes. I've heard that before. Um, I would say that that's even further. Like as you're getting in the Jurassic World part of this franchise, it's even more apparent mm. when you guys watch Claire throughout this entire movie. Claire is a branding icon. She is the influencer of Jurassic World. Um, the amount of things that they have her hold or drive or use that are just branded I- icons are it's incredible. It's th- it's a through line throughout the movie other than the heels. Um, it is <laughs> literally it is crazy to me how much and then, you, you know, because I mean, this park is a capitalist structure in itself. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, we can get away from it. I would say it's even more like consumer entertainment. Um, but I hate to I hate to like call everything capitalism, but I think that <laughs> it's definitely like like that path is even heavily more emphasized, at least in the fir- in Jurassic World. I can't really recall from Fallen Kingdom. But I mean that it it's with Fallen Kingdom, it's more black market capitalism, I'd say. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that you could go definitely down a deep hole. But just keep an eye out when you guys are watching this next one. Just just keep an eye out um, because it's it's so in your face all the time. I, at Starbucks, Audi, um, oh my god! Like it's just literally some guy. There was probably Margaritaville. A team of people. I think is yeah. in there. I'm actually kind of surprised yeah. that they didn't like show the make of the heels. Like they're like they're like they're Louis like Vuitton, Louis Vuitton or something. Or something. They, 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 that would have been that would have been really smart to to have the, the have her taking it out of the box and like putting him on. Maybe that's a plotline in Dominion. Maybe she and maybe she's like her character is developed enough where she's taking out like. Uh, a Merrill shoe, like a hiking shoe. No, like she's, she's no, she's wearing Toms, and she's she... wearing Toms. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, she just changes into Toms, and you just yeah. see the back, yeah. that back label there. Yeah. yeah, that could be it. I mean, yeah, but just I think that's a big through line, and it's just even more heavily underlined, honestly, in this in these newer movies. Um, but yeah, I, I think in general, capitalism is just like it's in your face the entire time. We see the, like the byproducts of it, the results of it. Um, even this, how we talk about the dinosaurs themselves is just material goods. Yeah, in a lot of these movies, um, it's 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 odd. Even um, what's his name? Wrote it down. Uh, like Hammond. Um, uh, Masrani, who's like the the new owner, New in Hammond Jurassic World, New Hammond, yes, Cool um, Hammond, <laughs> Cool Hammond, who can fly, kind of. Um, <laughs> too soon. Our, yeah, too soon. Uh, rip. Uh, so <laughs> they're they're so like this like innovative, uh, you know, leader in an industry, um, trying to like with the so bright eyed um, about like the future, but really, really blind to what's actually happening in front of them the entire movie. Um, I think you see a lot of that. I think that's also something resonant of like kind of that capitalist structure that you guys that we're talking about. Um, And it was, I was just looking at uh, (laughs) just to kind of go, I was looking at like when Jurassic Lost World was written, it was written in 95, right? Theoretically, if you say that Ian Malcolm is so strong in that in that second novel, 
was it just like Crichton saying like, oh, we need more Goldblum in our lives. Like if I write this, I'm going to get Goldblum for this next movie. Do you think there's any kind of like potential conspiracy theory for that? That's interesting because he dies in the first book. So Ian Malcolm does. Yeah. Isn't that right? I haven't re- You've read the book more recently than I have. I read it more recently. He dies in the first book. But then the but then the second book is written, but they have Ian Malcolm come back in the second movie. Now I know that I know that the Spielberg and Boleyn had had uh, purchased the rights to make Jurassic Park prior to the book being published. Yeah, it was a it was a double deal. So yeah, I'm not sure. That is almost like an investigative hit. I mean, I'm assuming, and this is with not much credibility, that the, they obviously the success of the first film predicated a sequel. They looked at the characters. I think Ian Malcolm's character was so popular from the film that even though in the book he's killed off, there was a way to bring him back. And that that, that had to be of happening during filming because even like if you read the book, even Jeff Goldblum read the book and his character was supposed to die at some point. And he ended up, whether this is lore or not, he ended up, com- or it was in the script, he ended up not dying. I just, I, it's just my conspiracy trivia. I mean, take it with a great assumption. I like but, it. Of all well, conspiracy theories, it. it's not like a harmful conspiracy theory. <laughs> I love it because it's exciting. The, the, the one guy who, would really know Spielberg will say what he's whatever Spielberg would say, but the one guy who know took the secret to the grave. That's true. Crichton will never know. We'll never know uh, what his uh, how much Goldblum influenced him in his life because he was there on set as a as a writer and consultant. Um, and, and, and before you jump, because I see you're looking at that paper, um, I had two bigger points to actually bring up, and we just got again stuck on the beauty of gold gold yeah um once again i so i think one thing that i would really like to bring up or you know there's two and maybe we can get through this pretty quickly um i like kind of two additional kind of tropes that you see throughout the movie yes um let's start with like kind of a general theme um family i when you start analyzing not the the not the dinosaurs um they're a reflection of what we're seeing in the human characters in some ways. Yes. Um, each individual, and when you start like really poking at some of the core characters, they're not like nuclear family no. um, groups. Like, you know, we kind of consistently throughout each movie have like really destroyed, not destroyed, very isolated. Um, if we just look at the children characters, children isolated and very like, big events in their young childhood lives. Um, sometimes in some of those movies, um, especially in the first three, we see good results from that. In the first one, um, you know, Lex and Tim, they get at least some type of, you know, analog for like a father figure in Alan Grant. Yeah. While their parents are in the distant background, my, thousands of miles away, getting in an active divorce. See that again in Lost World with the two brothers. Um, they're doing the same thing. Um, Kelly. No, sorry. You see the same thing in Jurassic World. They need to get better at titling. Um, in Jurassic World, you see the two brothers, yes. uh, Zach and Gray. They're going through the same thing. 
Um, again, just borrowing from the original movie way yeah, too that much. Is true. Cut this aside. But they showed them um, at the lawyer's office, so there was a it was it was a development because they actually yeah, showed it. Exactly, and then um, you know Kelly with Goldblum and Eric, they're like Kelly's trying to reestablish her you know relationship with her father um, in Lost World, as well as like Julianne Moore is like this weird like yeah, you know different kind of dislocated. Um, Stepmother. Stepmother. And then you have like um, Vince Vaughn as like the crazy uncle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, but I think that's just something really to highlight. I think that's really cool. Very true. Family. And then when you look at the dinosaurs, who at least in the first couple movies that they can't reproduce, um, and how like that's kind of like its own. You create pods of dinosaurs, and they they kind of adapt their family. Um, mm. And at least in the parks, I think that's a cool kind of kind of symmetry there at least a reflection on a larger being um you see that nature is always trying to find at least what? collective societies or groups so i think that's that's cool. beautiful i would have never thought that's, of that that's that really extremely that is really cool insight. especially when you especially when you consider how spielberg um you know is, is one of the better directors at handling uh family issues yeah Divorce, which stems from his personal life and experience, right. but yeah. yeah, it's what he's known known for. And it's funny because we always talk about the kid performances a lot of times stand out, even sometimes beyond the adult performances. We we think about the third one, Eric's performance as a kid. We actually, and I don't know if you you agree, but his performance as one of the Jurassic kids is is pretty solid. Like yeah. we think it's one of the better ones. Like you could have leaned in actually to that character a little bit more. Because it was almost like a Lost Boys, Peter Pan style. Like this kid was, you could do a whole miniseries of this kid on the island Survivor trying to Man. survive for like a month. You know, you literally could. You could do it um, a seven um, season TV show about it. And then you just realize he's in like um, Purgatory. Um, <laughs> it's actually, it's, I, I think HBO has probably got like a five part documentary that's going to be. Eric. Yeah. The lost world of Eric. Yeah. 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 And then um, just to kind of, I just want to get it all in guys. I I want you to get it all in. Um, I I don't get that. I don't get asked to be on podcasts that often. Um, Why not? You're bringing so much to the table. Okay. Um, I love the foil characters in these movies. Like every single one of them, very interesting across the board. I mean, you start with, and I'm not talking about the big character, like the big, I guess, human bads like you know the hunter that's yeah. a consistent consistent yeah. character in these movies but like the dennis yeah so like Dr- yeah. dennis and jurassic park um they're like the relatable the relatable character you'd be like yeah if i was if someone made me really mad at my work i'd probably do something a little bit slight like against them dennis takes it to another level and he does and like honestly the level he takes it at that's why he is cut down yes. um, in that movie. Um, but even like Nick, Vince Vaughn um, in Lost World and Billy in Jurassic Park 3. Billy. Um, <laughs> Billy. Yeah, I mean, they're like these innocent characters that are super relatable. Like Billy to like this young up and coming, you know, assistant. And then honestly, Nick as like this whole broadcasting thing. I think it, <laughs> yeah. it, it resonates with me a little bit more. But they, they're stealing shit off that stuff off that island and like. Uh, I no 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 no. Uh, but 
I there. I mean, but also at the same time, I can't talk too much about him because that's Lost World and Jurassic Park three. You can't really talk too much about <laughs> anything in those yeah. movies. Um, but the biggest foil is, um, I'm a big fan of Law and Order S. Yes, S- Criminal Intent. It's Criminal Intent. Uh, it's CI. It's CI with Vincent. Same one. Yeah. Um, Henry Wu, that character, the ultimate foil. Yes. So. We see him in the very beginning, this young, you know, um, designer, um, not designer, you know, designer of dinosaurs. We'll just call him that. But, you know, you I like know that he is. dinosaur designer. Um, and he's even like talked about a little bit in Lost World, just mentioned on the side. But like he's a sleeper character until we get to Lost, um, Jurassic World. Um, and then he becomes like this associated villain and then in fallen kingdom he is all out like just going against uh pretty much what hammond he grew up with hammond like learning and stuff under him um i think he's the ultimate foil i'm also a big fan of that actor who right now even though i'm a big fan i can't remember his name uh from ci specifically he's been i know exactly you're talking about um but yeah i think i just love that like that B plot that those characters bring to the table as like foils for, or a catalyst even for like the precipitation of literally the, (laughs) the Island falling apart, whichever Island it is, you know, like, or getting the main characters into even more trouble. Um, I really like those aspects and they keep inserting that into each, each movie, even like, um, I can't remember what Lockwood, I think it would kind of qualify as a foil. Um, I really haven't. I didn't want to rewatch Fallen Kingdom for this podcast, um, so I'm everything's being drawn off memory. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. So, but I think there's like family. Those those really like different characters that you know maybe they just have a shaving cream thing um, that they put stuff in, or um, they have like a a pack that they just hide an egg in. Um, either way, it's like you know it's. The, I think those are cool little touches to these movies. It's not just like one big villain, and like you said, you guys were saying, there's not really a true villain in these movies, but we in we look at the human condition in different ways. Exactly. With all all these conflicted characters, I think that's really big. I think it's a great point. That's what makes the movies so good, and that like. You have wins and losses sometimes, like across the board with those characters. But there's a, a lot of times the best Jurassic Park movies have more of those characters that are are utilized in a, a great way to move the story along. And again, like you said, reflect the human condition of what's happening in in that scenario. So I think that's that's a magnificent point. And the, I think those are solid wins that we've talked about, but even I don't think have addressed in a, in a way. So. Zach, you nailed it on the head. All right. I want to move on to a really interesting question for you specifically, but we might all kind of draw into here that could lead into a whole new episode of this podcast. But Zach, if you were to make a Jurassic Park sequel, what is the main things you would do as far as storyline? What are kind of the main things that you think would help move this franchise along? If you were given the keys to the franchise. And you could like you could like retcon, you could like George Lucas special edition and like all the movies if you wanted to. You could do like what can, the the Halloween franchise has done and many iterations. I, can, I don't know if I I mean you wouldn't have Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom at all. At least in the same way if it was me. Um I think a big issue with these movies, especially in the second half of what we're you know, what's coming out and the forefront is the whole 
cloning and genetic genetic modification um i guess conflicts that they're trying to bring to the table in these new ones uh it's a big it's a big deal i think it's a big jump i think it yes it resonates with i think like a lot of things that we're seeing in society and like just like in business and whatnot um but i would take that stuff back i think there's still so much like indominus rex and then its sequel the uh indoraptor which is just t-rex raptor and more raptors yeah like what's the Um, best dinosaurs most popular dinosaurs let's just meld them together yeah yeah i i I'm not saying that you have to get rid of raptors. I think they're a huge deal in these movies. I think they are something that we go to see more of. But what we're doing is we're getting way too close to the raptors. We're getting way too close to trying to make the big next big thing. Even Claire's like, people were bored in Jurassic World. Obviously, they're saying a lot about the previous movies. But she also says people are tired of stegosauruses. Even though, who wrote it? Children, or children are tired of stegosauruses. Even though in in Lost World, it's a big thing. They needed to see stega, children needed to see stegosauruses for those movies. Yep. Um, they're tired of it. They're you know it's like this weird uh, de uh, blah, 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 can't remember the desensitized. word desensitized right desensitized um, you know generation. That's how we have to get the big the big stuff. We have to like take B D Wong, aka Henry Wu. I remembered it. And, um, you know, he, this is, we have to make something bigger, sharper teeth, um, yep. all that kind of stuff. I think this is the, that's a huge issue um, as we continue the franchises. Like, that is a huge issue. Also, on top of that, I really don't like that the world is open to Jurassic Park. Yeah. I, like, I don't like, I don't like this next step. In the last two movies, every movie, those two movies have ended with, a dinosaur looking upon like the landscape and there's like roaring. But in my head, I'm just hearing get off my lawn. Like, and, like, <laughs> like that's what I'm hearing with those movies. It's just so that old T-Rex is much. so old. It's like, maybe if we did a grand Torino with the old T-Rex, <laughs> that's what it should just be. The mule, just yeah. like yeah. some version of the mule. I just, I feel like it is definitely, like we're trying to personify, like at least put human, inject humanity into these dinosaurs, which I don't think, I think we need to get farther away from that. Like I, there's so much to really understand about dinosaurs and that we don't know that we could theorize on. We don't need to add like our insertion to this, into these creatures. We really just need to be like in the first Jurassic Park observing and like really trying to just study like Alan Grant with, you know, just like the deep breath of the <laughs> triceratops um like just try and be in awe of this majesty if, if we were able to have this this as a reality it would be i at least for me it would be a dream come true it would be like a miracle essentially yeah. i don't think that we need these new things coming out but obviously the world does um or at least jurassic world yeah, it is hard when you're you're kind of in it's within the movies you're self critiquing of the catch up, playing catch up on we need to make it and that's why it's an allegory for theme parks, because it's theme parks you gotta make it more exciting. Like if everyone's gone on the Batman ride or the Hulk ride or whatever, well, we gotta everyone's seen the Pirates Caribbean ride. We need to do something different. We need to make it more exciting and innovate. 
uh, but you have problems with them. But I think I think Zach, you're 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 on the track where like eventually like they can they can do the Fast and the Furious or Transformers models of like trying to just make it have a weird set piece that's more ridiculous and more crazy. But I think the hard part is Jurassic Park in the Jurassic World franchise does not have Tom Cruise leading the charge. They don't have an action hero or a, a, a main hero or a main conflict to hold hold it in. And I think that's where they, they might, if, they, if, if, if you were to have it or where I would have it or Mike were to have it, I'd try to go back to that initial human conflict. And maybe it would never work. In our modern world, you could make a blockbuster where you had an Ian Malcolm character sitting in a conference room having a 30-minute dialogue scene about like the morality of, of, of creating Jurassic Park. One of the novel things about Jurassic Park, uh, the, the original film, <clears throat> is that there isn't a uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Th- that there isn't a Chris dynamic... Uh, or Chris Pratt. Yeah, there isn't a dynamic, like, let's get behind this guy, man against dinosaurs, like, like put the team on your back. Kind of, like, that, like, it, and I think that's why the sequels in this franchise are so burdensome for fans. Uh, I mean, I like, I like watching them because I like the franchise, but I remember walking out of the theater watching Fallen Kingdom and just, like, I felt so sorry for the franchise because yeah. i was just like this is just this is just they're just ruining the whole thing because it's, it's just a money-making machine but the reason why it's being ruined is because it was never set up to succeed in that way exactly yeah they, they weren't and i they, i think they have an opportunity but the because like they tried to do the chris pratt thing but like steve Irwin that can like bench press 350 pratt pounds is not going to keep your franchise going uh, a Steve Irwin character actually, I think, would bring it back down to what it what it actually should be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and just to go totally just left turn out of out of nowhere, um, I think that they should expand a little bit more. Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys are going to cover this. Actually, I I actually wanted to ask you guys: Are you guys going to do Camp Cretaceous? <sighs> We've talked about it. We'll see. We'll see what the fans want to do. That it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And if there's um, other, so there's, it, there's it depends other... on how many episodes Mike's willing to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, Henry Wu is in it. Like he's a main villain, I guess. Um, I haven't watched it. I'm not gonna. It's not really my. Yeah. My dem- I'm not the demo. I've heard um, it's not. It's not Star Wars, Clone Wars, or Bad Batch quality, and and yeah. so it's probably going to be tough to do. But there's yeah. other Jurassic Park podcasts that are covering it episode by yeah. episode, and God bless yeah. them. I think I think that supplemental content's awesome, especially in this day and age. I would propose that you do a six-part documentary just documenting the uh, mosquito species that gets tra- trapped in the amber um, yes. in GP one. Yeah, I think that would be a great. I think that would be just have David Attenborough, like, or even Hammond or like somebody that can like you know copy his voice just do like a six-part series nature doc on that as he interacts with like different doc dinosaurs that's just my idea uh my ip don't steal it um, that's a really just like it's like a, it's basically a mockumentary but it's done in the style of a planet earth or bbc style nature yeah. show i think that's brilliant yeah. i'd watch Dang that it. Sh- shouldn't have said it out shouldn't have said it don't oh. steal it that, that's that copyrighted property 
Yeah, yeah, darn. Um, but yeah, I'm glad. Like, I'm already, um, you know, testing it, audience testing. So this is perfect. I I told Luke this the other day that the story that nobody wants to see, the no, nobody wants to make a movie about this, but I want the story of it. Is I want to see uh, the prequel to Jurassic Park, where you get to find out what the nature of the relationship is between Hammond and Ian Malcolm. Because there's something there that's referenced in the movie and the book, more the movie almost, and there's there is a dynamic there. There's there is there's a deeper dynamic. Is that- is that a is that dynamic like deep fan fiction like? shipping like malcolm and hammond or is it like something that's like what give me a genre give me a theme well it's more like he he was in it was more like malcolm was involved they know each other they're either rivals or they sat on boards together or i we like to think that in the book malcolm is brought in he was an early tester so like malcolm was brought in to advise early on in the project and then he's brought in to he was brought go to the in, island. Yeah, in the and in the movie, he's actually uh, brought in by the lawyer. lawyer. He's the lawyer's a uh, consultant, which on, is which is in the which is in the is book. It, is the same way in the book. The okay, it's been so. It's been. But but he wow. had in the book he had been an initial phase tester with with Hammond. And like one of the things that um, Malcolm says that this is like this is the genesis of my idea. The like this is what I want to explore is the first dinosaur they see when they're driving in the sweet jeeps across jurassic park is uh everyone's freaking out and hammond's just like yes i did it and then ian malkin says that guy did it or that bastard did it or whatever whatever his line is he actually did it and i'm just like so there clearly there is a lot of information about this project that malcolm knew or was involved with or privy to or at least in the in the interpretation of the film. I really want to see a scene like newsroom pilot episode of like Hammond and Malcolm at, at like UT Austin on a panel. They're being asked about this. And Hammond thinks that Ian's going to be all on his side for the uh, like. And then maybe they're talking about like DNA testing and creating new species and things like that. And Hammond thinks, oh, Ian's going to be on my side because he, he saw what I was, what I'm planning to do. And then Ian goes on a newsroom esque rant that just like totally changes the relationship. I would, I would love to see that. I think that would be, maybe we could just write some fan fiction. Sorkin the crap out of that. Just yeah, basically like... takes. Yeah. If we get Alan Sorkin on the project to do a mini series about the, the business and ethics of Jurassic park. I actually wonder if, now this is fan fiction that the that InGen funded Ian Malcolm's research. Research. Oh, then it's a conflict of interest, and that's why he lost his tenure right after in in the Lost World. He he's he's tenure. He lost his tenure, which Greg said is the most which, unrealistic part of the. Yes, Greg <laughs> Greg Jackson said is by far the most unrealistic part of Jurassic Park franchise is that a tenure professor would lose their tenure. So, <laughs> hey man, cancel culture. Even in JP, you know, Lost World, like it's still it was there. We just it, didn't it was it there. That. We didn't know about it. I like these ideas of of sequel or, and it sounds like it's almost like there needs to be other content outside of 
a two and a half hour movie with dinosaurs fighting each other or a kids animated series that that's that's true all right i want to talk about this big question um which is we're getting high level here um besides money why do you think new versions of this of this franchise is being made why do you think this story is still prevalent zach um, and why do you think fans are still drawn to it outside, outside of nostalgia? Cause I know we talked about nostalgia, but like, what is that deeper thing that people keep coming back to the movie theater for? Um, I would definitely, I mean, it's dinosaurs first off, that's like true. that's just yeah. definitely it. And subsects of that is like some version of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, whether it's like a Spinosaurus, um, some type of, you know, other carnivore, or it is. Or, I mean, even like the, is it Mesosaurus? Yeah. Mosasaurus. Um, like that's a, that's a big, big carnivorous, like dinosaur we've never seen before. Um, and of course, like following even, maybe even more prominent is like the raptors. We want to see yeah. that like society interaction. Like I said, like that clan, that family that they create, um, even if it is just also run by an alpha, like Chris Pratt. Um, <laughs> oh, With the dog whistle. Dude just like him that thing with him and blue like blue's not that cool like also just call her beta like he calls her beta but he wants to call her blue because her her fake skin is blue just whatever um but i think that another thing that keeps coming us keeps coming back is like being able to see that interaction with nature and something that's like that mysterious like i'm a big cryptozoology fan like that is like seeing sasquatch in a park i think would be just just the same effect like that impossible happening in front of you um and seeing like honestly that impossible destroying us i think we get a kick out of that like oh yeah whether it's i mean the the babysitter in jurassic world that that kill scene brutal is oh dude it is more than brutal there's she is handled by at least eight to nine dinosaurs with that finishing move of like eating a dinosaur with her in it she's drowned in the process she is picked up and dropped at <laughs> least do you think times. that maybe like the writer like like they were dating like as he was writing it and then like they broke up and this is how he decided <laughs> I, I don't know Someone had some bad juju that they needed to get out and that character got all of it. I think someone like, I think Colin Trevorrow had like a bad babysitter experience or something like that. I I think so. Just left them like locked in a house. I I wanted to get this in before we get too far away, Zach, you can continue. But I think the reason in my mind, why blue is called blue is uh, because jet blue was the uh, corporate sponsor. (laughs) Jet blue. We already know that the Indominus Rex was presented by Verizon the, the, Wireless. That, yeah, that that needs to happen. I need to see dinosaurs with their in their skin. The DNA creates a Verizon Wireless logo. Now that's that. Now we're getting into like almost like horror comedy. Like it's so it self-aware. Like like it's like, dystopian, dystopian, or almost like uh, Wayne's World type of uh, fourth mm-hmm. wall breaking. Yeah. He wins roll two. Yeah. Yeah. That sequence. Oh, God. Yes. I think that's what we need with dinosaurs to have like NASCAR. They need to be like NASCAR cars and just have ads all over them. 
I mean, every single insertion, especially in, you know, the later series is on purpose. It is direct. Like, again, this movie is being cynical of itself. Yes. Like you, that is totally right. I would not be surprised if blue was like on the side of a jet blue uh, jet as they're flying tourists to just like, ah, just like <laughs> snarling. <laughs> I wish this was a. I wish this was a visual medium. Like I wish we had a video podcast because Zach's in, impersonation of a velociraptor was was worthy <laughs> to be seen. That's true. It's, it was a lot, lot more Nosferatu, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Like, I, I was, I was yeah. kidding. It was. It yeah. was good. I <laughs> uh, can't do velociraptors justice. Uh, it's good. Not many people can. Only Alan Grant can uh, blow through a three D printed uh, vocal cord to. To get away the raptors so oh god o- only alien Grant can do that um zach what do you expect to be the stain stain power of this franchise like what how far you know if you had a crystal ball uh if you were presenting to ingen wh- what do you think your five-year project- projections are if you had a jurassic park one type of projection what would be your projection of this franchise where it's gonna go how it can go where it wants to go. I think I would just stay with, you know, where, what the trajectory is right now. I mean, let's take over the world and let's just go and take over the universe. Oh, just, yeah. Just be totally dystopian. Like actual Jurassic world. Yeah. I think that it's like maybe aliens come in, abduct a couple, you know, couple, uh, T-Rexes and those just, go like Jason X on like an alien ship or something like that. I mean, that's where like, I feel like there is this, like it's a huge money-making franchise, but it's like the modern day eighties, eighties specifically slasher genre where they're just making movies after movies with similar formulas. It's getting into that kind of level of, of repetitive nature. I, I feel like you're on track. I feel like going full this like plane of the apes is the way to go. I've got yeah. it. Yeah. Mike, yeah, you've got t- it? I've got it. All right. Universal Pictures. Here's the Univer- pitch. Universal the, Studios. In the listen, corporate headquarters. Here listen. you are. What What is it? So I would say, I would argue that Jurassic Park is the biggest property that Universal has. <clears throat> okay. Let's take... Them, that they have fast, fast, the Fast franchise as well? They do. And that's where I'm going with this. Oh. A crossover... <laughs> Between Fast, Fast and the Furious, yes. and Jurassic Park, yes, we need Vin Diesel and oh and uh, Ludacris driving through Isla Isla that, Nublar and Isla Sorna. Unbelievable! It has to. There's no other. There's, there's no reason. There's not no. To. They can't do any more. And it's got to be like um, one of. It's got to be like. They're rescuing one of their family members, the fast crew. One of their friends works at Jurassic Park. Because <laughs> it's going, all about family. It's all about family. It's family, <laughs> the connection, Zach. It's all coming together. It's also, making a lot of sense. Also, I would argue uh, the the stuff that happens in the Fast franchise uh, more unrealistic than <laughs> what happens true. in Jurassic That's Park. That's true. I just saw that that latest trailer. Um, What is it? What are they up to now? Fast Fast 9. Doesn't he like catch a rope with a 
wheel or something like that in the trailer. Um, Sounds about I right. could see him doing the same thing up a Brachiosaurus, like just like from head to tail and then just launching off of a cliff or something like that. That's well, like, and it's ironic because they are in the Fast 9 IMAX. They are offering a 10 minute prequel clip of Dominion. Yep. Um, it's creeping in already. I don't know if I can convince Mike to go to IMAX Fast 9 just to watch a 10 minute preview of Jurassic Park sequel. I I would go, but but it's probably gonna be. It has to be leaked online eventually maybe. before Dominion comes out. But I, look, okay, so maybe okay. I'm being a little bit gratuitous with uh, I, with the, I'm with the all, movie crossover. I am but, absolutely all in. But something I actually fast, think that could that Jurassic could, Fast. Something that <laughs> fast Jurassic. It's, <laughs> I, wait, that's just Jurassic Park three. Um, yeah, that is true. Fast, <laughs> fast in the fossils. That's it. Oh, fast, fast in the fossils. fossils. <laughs> yes, yes. So. Uh, Maybe the movie never Jurassic happens. Jurassic Furious. Something I do think is realistic, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, is a Universal Studios ride that is a crossover between the two. Yeah, well, and they're and they're expanding. They're making that Jurassic World kind of... They're actually making the Jurassic World theme park, and they're I, working on that right now. So I like, just rode virtually the new Velocicoaster. Oh, my gosh. I, amazing? I peed my pants watching the YouTube video. And I and that, really? and that that's interesting because like that's where they're going. They're actually going to make they're making it like. Could we conceive in twenty five years they actually make a Jurassic Park, IRL in real life? Is with, that possible with real live dinosaurs or animatronics? Because I real I, live dinosaurs. No, Luke, stop. That but that's where we're going. I think you would go more AI route with it. I wouldn't be surprised okay. even one of the movies did it. Like, honestly, like those robots that we're seeing that look like kind of like dogs, but they can't climb upstairs like that when that technology. That's true. Like, the, yeah. So the guy that. Oh, that, and that that's like a whole, you could you could create that and then make a movie out of it. Like all the AI goes haywire. So I just saw this on Shark Tank this past season of Shark Tank. They had the um, the. He was an, he was on an on location expert for Spielberg yeah. in the production of Jurassic Park, and when the movie was over, when the filming was over, uh, he asked for all the animatronics and got them from Spielberg, and he has started a company now where he where they create animatronic dinosaurs and and tour them around as like part of museum and zoo exhibits, and uh, the, and he was on Shark Tank and he asked for. Uh, I don't remember if he got a deal or not, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's down in Orlando right now working on exhibits for Universal. It's like folding. You're smiling about Zach. It's folding into itself. That is the craziest thing. And you talked about Zach, how this, this movie and this franchise is cynical of itself. And it's literally folding into itself in the real world. Do you do you want to know what that company? I just looked it up. Thank you, Mike. This is just just made my week. Um, <laughs> do you know what that company is called by chance? I for forget. Your, for Tell me. Dino Don Inc. Yes, uh, yes. his name is Don. Yeah, that's amazing. Don Lessum. Dino Don. Dino Don. Oh God. Fire he actually he actually power. pronounces it and prefers it Dino Don. Whatever I call him, Dino. My bad. Yeah, I but he's him. actually making a ton of money. His business was actually super profitable, according to Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> yeah. Mark Cuban always brought bumps well, up that think, number. I actually think that he, I can't remember. I I thought he got a deal, but yeah. 
So we've come to the conclusion that the franchise is going to basically transfer into the real world and create a pseudo Jurassic Park. Pretty soon, Universal itself, Studios or Fast and, Fast and the Furious Jurassic Park crossover. I think I think pretty soon Universal Studios will be a part of the Jurassic World theme park. So there there is a Alan Grant uh, is going to be be walking around Universal theme park, and yes. there's they have brought tame dinosaurs yes. into Jurassic yes. or into Universal Studios, a part of Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. Yeah, it's that just meta. Like Chris Pratt on a motorcycle with like. A bunch of velociraptors just attacking people or pretending, like get outing, like a oh, velociraptor yeah, yeah, runs at you yeah, that runs yeah, away. Yeah. That'd be cool. I feel like <laughs> a way the franchise should go, and I've I've had this in Zach. You talked about earlier about genre mixing because this isn't a defined franchise that has a specific kind of archetypal hero or traditional this genre of film. It's kind of its own self. It's kind of a a hodgepodge or a DNA sequence of blockbusters. I think there's a lot of slasher tropes that are used with the dinosaurs, specifically in the danger sequences and the exciting adventure sequences. I would really love to see a full kind of monster slasher dress park. That means it would be lower budget. It would be tied down. It would be very much the idea that you're in this world where dinosaurs are freely roaming the earth. There's people that are hunting them. The government's paying big game hunters to hunt them because they're, you know, attacking crops. But you have a scenario of like, who's trying to farm that Island. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is they get out somehow. They're, they're out. Okay. Let, let's just say there's, right, there's, okay, there's dinosaurs across the earth. There are animals in it's the a earth. zombie apocalypse, but dinosaurs. no, 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 not zombie apocalypse. It's like there are, there are dinosaurs in different pockets, of part of the world. And you have a, uh, you have a Friday the 13th, you have a, a camp or a group of teenagers going to a cabin and one velociraptor or one predatory dinosaur is hunting them. Blue, presented by JetBlue. Yeah, presented by JetBlue. Like that's, yeah. I feel like you, you could... Presented by JetBlue. Presented by Verizon. We have towers in this remote area. We have, yeah, we have we have coverage everywhere except, except where you're Except dying. where you're going to die. But like it's basically taking that sequence with Ellie and bringing like making that hour and a half movie. Yeah. I mean, they definitely just already borrowed from that like the blood spatter cuts yeah. that they do to kind of hide a lot of those um I guess slasher-esque scenes. All they have to do is just hold the camera and show the kill. Um I yeah. think that would be I think that would be great. Um, that, I think this is a good idea. That's I'm, that's I'm where fun. I would like to go. I'll I'll fund it. Um, I have Thank like, you. Yeah, I have like twenty dollars in seed money. If you want to try it, great. That's hey. There was a lot of good uh, slasher movies. That's thing. that's that's pretty good for a slasher movie budget. Nineteen uh, yeah, eighty. And again, this is nineteen eighty style. So we will put like we will put something over the camera. Like we'll put like underwear over the camera, or like put like petroleum jelly on the camera. <laughs> To just give it that authentic. Imagine that, like eighty slasher, but there's like raptors in it. I'm I in. mean, you don't even need a knife. Like you don't need an actual. You don't. Kill you don't. Utensil. And you, that's actually a budget cut. Is exactly. no knives. No knives. You don't. You barely need to show the raptor. Just, just do a Nightmare on Elm Street. Just make it a nightmare, like your dinosaur nightmare or something like that. Like I think that's great. Uh, I, that's I'm the in. name of the film. I'm in yeah. <laughs> dinosaur. <laughs> 
Jurassic I'm Nightmare. Gonna pull out a, I'm going to pull out a whiteboard now, and we can yeah. just start writing these ideas down. Um, and People then... thought that they were coming to like hear the good like like a breakdown between the first and second trilogy, but no, now we're just making a we're, slasher we're, film. We're like going around. There's the. It's not linear. It is just a a, a web of ideas uh, for I mean, Universal to use. Star Wars did it, so I think that, like Jurassic Park can definitely do it too. They can do it. They can do it. All right, Zach. We could talk all night, but we're 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 at time. Is there any last points that you had prepared? I don't want to leave you hanging. That you want to share. We have uh, two quick questions that we ask in in all our episodes. But is there any other points you would like to share? Uh, any wisdom you'd like to bestow on our audience? I I just kind of want to also bring up as we're talking about like competitive movies or movies that were borrowing or like things that like Fast and the Furious could you know mold and like evolve into this fast and furious Jurassic park. I think looking forward, what we should look at, at least in the like entertainment market is I'm very curious to see, and this is in a totally different podcast, I think of the monster verse, like Godzilla King Kong and what yeah. that, that new, like what legendary is doing over there and how that's actually going to compare with, um, you know, what this Jurassic new Jurassic world kind of stuff is coming. Like, I'm very curious I'm a bigger fan, honestly, of Monster Ver- like what we're doing, like with Godzilla and those King yeah, Kong movies. Yeah, yeah, just um, as successful too. I mean, they're really strong competitors, and they're they're almost the same type of movie. They're the you know the monsters are just a little bit bigger, but it's like the same kind of <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But it's like the same kind of like juxtaposition of humanity with nature. Just to get just a different variation of that, mm-hmm. like radiation versus cloning. I'm very curious to see, like, just kind of like that competitive nature between these, because I think inherently they are rivals. Um, Absolutely. That I think just like as we're kind of looking at different franchises that are going to be popping up over the next couple of years, I'm curious what survives. Which one is like where we see that Darwinism survival of the yeah. best? Which one can, because uh, arguably those. Those King Kong and Godzilla movies know what they are, and they don't. They don't have this kind of like. There's nostalgia to them, but they don't have like. They know what they are, and they can say like, everything that the human characters are saying does not really matter. It's just a way to get to the the fight scene, and that's all the audience cares about, and that's really all that matters. Jurassic Park, unfortunately, does have this weight of this very very deep source material. That not to say that uh, Godzilla and King Kong don't have deep source materiality, but, but like the idea that there's this bigger conversation about humanity that they kind of always have to address. Will they just cast it aside? Will they lean into that to like we just want to see dinosaurs fight each other, or will they go the other way and lean into what they have? Is it as a great point? Yeah. And I just, I'm really worried for the Jurassic Park franchise because we're kind of breaching the uh invisible barrier between beast and man i mean monster and man whatever you want to call it like not only is this cloning stuff the genetic modification of like new dinosaurs like a big deal like a problem for me but like also the interactions with the dinosaurs in monsterverse you see like there is this wall here we see the titans fight yeah and in jurassic park we see the same thing and then as we get closer and closer to Jurassic World, closer and closer to 2015, closer and closer to, you know, uh, Fallen Kingdom, these are like blending a little bit. And that's a big yeah. turn off for me, at least. Um, I think that 
it would be better to go back to roots. Godzilla has been doing it for years. The humans have their own fight, and you know, <laughs> off in the distance, Godzilla is just fire breathing down someone's throat. Um, but I, I think that just that's just a good thing to kind of like uh, compare I as you go so. through it. I think it's cool to like have these two prominent rising stars. I think in like this genre of big, big monster battle kind of things. Um, to kind of like watch and fold. I think that's a brilliant point that we'll we'll definitely keep an eye out. All right, Zach, the final questions, and thank you for your time, your thoughts, and your your wisdom. Uh, we ask this after every rewatch episode, but I wanted to ask you, uh, what is your favorite human character and favorite dinosaur in the franchise? So favorite human character and favorite dinosaur. And you can source from any movie. We're going to open board. Yeah, um, we'll start with, I, I actually I anticipated this question. Um, I don't care about the humans as much, um, except for, and I already mentioned this. Uh, Ellie Sadler is the best. Laura Dern, yes, oh, man, she's amazing, outstanding. On it, um, I can't I can't be more of a fan. Um, when it comes to the series overall, I actually kind of split it up. Um, overall, I would say. God, this is a hard one. I, 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 for so long, I've been thinking about all day. I've been literally thinking about this. And I'm gonna keep you guys in here. Well, it's fluid. Um, I mean, it can change over time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think for overall the Dilophosaurus, um, so like the the big umbrella. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. You know, kills, the thing that kills, kills Dennis. Nedry. Kills Newman. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of of killing Newman in that movie, <laughs> and also like that that dinosaur in itself is just nature presenting a uh, a species a creature that honestly defies like even my understanding of what reality could be like even oh yeah actual nature it's not a fantastical thing that dinosaur i think that um it is something that is amazing to look at and really cool to watch um i'm gonna jump i think that mosasaurus is a really cool jurassic world like going forward in the franchise i really would, even though, yeah, water creatures and the, you know, dinosaur era are a little bit weird on like what exactly yeah. they are. But Mosasaurus, I think, is an outstanding thing. I think we could go beyond that. Um, I did want to ask you guys yes. one question, though. Yes. In response. And I care more about the dinosaurs. I don't care about the humans as much. Uh, what dinosaur, and not like a fictitious one, what and maybe you guys can't answer this and I can. Um, what dinosaur real good to be in the next movie? Like, what dinosaur do you want to see from both of you guys? That's a great question. I feel like I don't have a specific dinosaur, but I like the idea of bringing, like you mentioned, with the dinosaur that kills Nedry. Um, bringing the scale down a little bit so having a unique creature and it might it might could be a real dinosaur it could be not um having kind of the scale brought down and having a unique dinosaur that maybe isn't just big and brash and loud and like a hybrid but more like is unique has different skill sets or has different attributes that maybe are closer to what we know today um maybe that's a water creature maybe that's uh a, a creature that can run fast or has different things that they've adapted into nature or maybe adapted since they've been in the, the real world or the modern world for a while. 
Um, so not one specific, but I would like to see kind of it scaled back a little bit and have some more unique, interesting, smaller scale dinosaurs. Mike. Um, let me think. There's a, um, and Nessie, if they could bring Nessie back, that would be great. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely. I totally agree with that one. Um, I've, I've had the fortune of playing like Jurassic world evolution, which is like the video game. So I have a little bit more like expansive, like what's like understanding of like what you see in the movies and what they put in those video games because it's there's a lot more a lot more dinosaur to be had I think. What about I you, think Mike? Though, if I could pick any dinosaur, I want uh, Sam O'Neill. <laughs> physical yeah. dino, physical dinosaur. Yeah. No. <laughs> not not dinosaur age. Oh oh. Not okay. dinosaur age as dinosaur oh. as. Uh, oh man. Oh. I love okay. that creature dinosaur. Um. Yeah, I think I, I mean I think there's something to be explored with the oversized dolphin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of di- what that dinosaur's name is. Zach said it. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but um, yeah, I think there's something to be explored with that. It's hard though because uh, I don't know. There's limitations. Like obviously, like it, it's in the sea. Um, you could do a whole blackfish Jurassic. Park at. Yes. Yes. We're just spinning everything off. I love it. It's I know. Or a water world, Jurassic world, uh, dystopian. Yeah. Basically, re- reboot uh, water world, but it's under the Jurassic Park franchise. That's all I'm asking. With Fast and Furious. Yeah. With Vin <laughs> Diesel. That's all I'm asking. You could bring back Kevin Costner too. Costner's at least like the wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not direct, guild. but it's more of an homage. Man, there's another dinosaur. Yeah. There's another dinosaur. Zach, what about you? Um, so there is one that I, I think that we... I'm a, actually more of a... I like big. Um, and there is a bigger dinosaur. It's an herbivore. But the name itself is awesome. Dreadnoughtus. Um, it is a 52-foot tall dinosaur. It's bigger than... It's like top three largest dinosaurs. I think just recently they found a, like a near-complete fossil um i i I bring this up because there's a their small beans podcast which is kind of like a spinoff of a bunch of cracked people they made a pod sub podcast called what dinosaur real good highly recommend it Um, i like it and they bring up they talk about dreadnoughtus a lot um it's it real good that dinosaur real good real big um it would probably be like in the final fallen king that island like as they're as you see that brachiosaurus get enveloped uh, on the island by a bunch of magma, um, I would like to see that neck be taller, and I would like that to be Dreadnoughtus if I could. Um, I love it. But yeah, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to put you guys on the spot because you made me read your uh, your ad, <laughs> and I I knew that this was coming. Um, I I unlike the rest of your 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 guests, I, I I've listened to your podcast, and, and so you were willing to put it back on us, and I and I do appreciate yeah. it. You can cut it if you want, but no, it is staying in. Well, well, Zach, thank you so much for going on this journey of of looking at the films in a critical eye and in talking about them. I think it's insightful for our audience and helps us really. It's helped me on this journey as we move into the reboots, what to look for, what to understand. Um, we will would love to have you back um, on the show. We have some extra stuff after we finish Jurassic World and. Fallen Kingdom and eventually Dominion 
Um, but thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. No, honestly, um, you guys are great. Uh, great hosts for this podcast. I really, I really like your perspectives and the guests you guys bring on. I'm just, I feel lucky to be asked to be on this and have so much airtime, honestly. Um, honestly, if you give me four questions, five questions and say, talk, I'll talk forever. So thank you guys for listening to my, well, we knew we had guest. to bring in the expert. We knew we needed someone to yeah. really, and unfortunately that guy wasn't available. So. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew that it was a little too last minute. No, I'm kidding. Dr. Um, Wu was not available uh, to comment <laughs> uh, on in gen and their practices. So, but Zach Hall was definitely number two on the list. So thank you. Thank you guys. We'll talk to you on. soon. Um, and we'll talk to you in the next film in the franchise. Uh, Jurassic Furious starring Vin Diesel yeah. and the T-Rex. This is that's the takeaway from this entire recording is that just I, I can't I'm going to how can we pull this off with cars and dinosaurs for now? It's going to happen. Imagine the toys. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. So you two, um, big up, big up dinosaurs.